Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome to the kitchen table. I am so excited that you're joining us today. I have one of my good um, friends, but also honestly a mentor to me over the years with my children, Sandra Stanley, is joining us today as we are beginning the conversation around the table about understanding the lie that we all have to keep everything balanced and we can be good at all the things all the time. Sandra is a native of Georgia. She grew up here, went to Georgia Tech, and actually has just finished her master's at Dallas Theological Seminary. Isn't that right? That's right. And um, she is a mother of three children, Andrew, Garrett, and Allie, and um, and they are now adults, and they're married. Are all three married? Two are married. Two are married. One's about to get engaged. Okay. Okay. I knew, I knew I had seen two. Um, I knew I'd seen two. Uh, and I really love Sandra's heart to talk about, um, women in terms of their faith and their family and how it walks together, um, in terms of what the word says and how we follow it. And I think also an interesting thing about you, Sandra, that is you also have a heartbeat for um, fostering and how the church can come alongside of foster children. So I do want to acknowledge that and maybe even talk about that for a few minutes at the end so that people can even find you for um, those things. But today we are talking about the lies that we often hear. Um, and the specific lie that we need to keep all the things balanced and we should just be in this great place where we can, we're doing great with our motherhood and our, you know, just in all the different aspects, ministry and work and engaging in all the different places. And it should all feel really easy to hold it all together. Smooth and easy always. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And it's a lie. And it's taking, I will say, I shared it last week on when I talked, but it has taken me a lot of years to realize that that's a lie. Yeah. Um, so, but I really wanted to talk to you quickly about, I guess, for you, how did you figure this out or where did you see this beginning to crop up? When did you see it crop up and how did you begin to go? Oh, okay. And yes, great, great question. (laughs) Um, You know, for us, our kids are really close in age. And um, so there were about 20 months between everybody. So when, um, you know, during those early years when, you know, it's just kind of the crazy, crazy years when your kids are kind of toddlers, you know, when they're babies, you can kind of put them somewhere and expect them to be there when you come back. (laughs) Yeah. But once they get out of that stage, yeah. you know, it's just kind of um, a free for all sometimes. And especially when you have them close together, like, um, like you did as well. But um, because they're so close in age, there was kind of this long season of parenting where um, I felt like in order for just my own sanity and for our marriage and all that, that I needed to be fully present at home. So I made some decisions. We made some, you know, kind of changes in our 
lifestyle so that I could just be home during those years. Mm. And um, one of the things I decided during those crazy years um, was that there were going to be some categories of things I said no to during that season. So I called mm-hmm. them my categorical no's. And um, it was it was super helpful to me to decide ahead of time, just like any things that we see coming down the road, if we make some decisions ahead of time and before it gets there, it's a lot easier to navigate it when it does. So I made some sort of um, a list of some categories of things that I was going to lay aside for now. One of them was working. Um, you know, some of them was things like having lunch with friends outside of my inner circle of people um, saying yes to speaking things or, or, you know, going back to school for a master's, all of that was much later. So there were some categorical no for no's for me. And what made it easier was realizing that a no for now doesn't mean no for always, that this is a Mm -hmm. season of life that I'm in and my no's for now can be yeses later. So that made it go down a little easier for me. Um, but it, you know, that was, that was sort of, I think the mental thing that I needed in order to be able to stay between the rails for our family. And I just knew too, that I'm a better wife, mom, and general human being when I've got some (laughs) space and some margin in my days. And when everything's super tight and super crazy, um, that just doesn't work well for me. I'm a one on the Enneagram. So, you know, I like my ducks in a row, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So for me, I knew I had to have you know, some, some space there. So I had to carve that out and create it, make some decisions ahead of time to get there. That's, that's actually really good advice for me. I'm a Enneagram seven. Yep. So I have a, I've parented one of those <laughs> two of deep, deep seated fear of missing out. And yes. I actually really love what you say. Um, and I'm going to hold on to that wisdom because th- that is, that is my thing as I, I always kind of feel like if I don't say yes, what am I going to miss out on? Or it may never, I may never, I may never happen again. So I should say yes now because yeah. now is where we're in. And then I end up way overextended because right. I believe fully in my capability of handling all the things until Do it, it all. Yep. all begins to completely deconstruct on me. And then I own it. Then I, then I hear the lie. Oh, see, see, you're yeah. just, you're just the worst. Like, (laughs) that one comes creeping in. One of the things that I found out, you know, on the other side of making those decisions was that when opportunities come around and, you know, we may be right in that some of the same opportunities don't come back around. But what I found is on the other side of it, when things are, you know, when you made the right decisions along the way, when opportunities do come back or new opportunities come, you have an added moral authority and a richness um, Mm. of what you're able to communicate in that season because you stepped back and because you said no in some earlier decisions. And it just really does open up an opportunity to talk about, um, you know, to have some moral authority behind saying, hey, you're going to be so glad if you make this decision. Um, you're not just spouting it off. You've actually done that and you've, you know, developed um, and you've reaped the benefits uh, from having done it. So you have a lot more, a lot more to share than you might have on the front end of it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I do think that that's, um, wow, that, that's a good, that's a good word for me. <laughs> um, and I do think that one of the ways that for me, balance, um, 
became a place where the Lord was working with me was he began to say, you know, I I think I was chasing balance as almost like an idol. So I would, I believed that, um, that everything should just be even and, um, and peaceful and not, hmm, not chaotic. Now, granted my personality runs more chaotic than other personalities. Like my husband is an Enneagram one and his life just doesn't, he can, he's just much more skilled even in keeping his life that way. Mm -hmm. But then the Lord began to talk to me about, well, Bethany, part of this is kind of like what you said is when you begin to trust that God has something for you and it may not be right now and that's okay because he's given you what he's given you for right now. Mm-hmm. Then I was able to um, begin, I guess I began to learn to seek him and go, okay, well, God, is this going to be something I should add to my plate? Right. Right. And, um, and begin to have that conversation where I began to learn, well, even whether or not I'm going to help at the PTA this year needs to be something that I actually act, engage the Lord with and go, does this fall into that? So I was wondering for you, when you were beginning to put these categories in place and you're beginning to realize, okay, these are my places. What were some of your categories? Yeah. Well, the, the categories that I kicked out are the categories that I kept. <laughs> well, either or, cause I think a lot of moms go, well, but everything feels like it's important and everything sure. feels like it's necessary. So how do I know what ones are the right ones? Yeah. You know, for me, um, and I didn't have this formally in my mind until, you know, going back and kind of thinking about the past and how we handle things. I sort of, I had a couple of questions that I sort of asked myself during that season. Um, And one of them was, um, was, does this opportunity or offer or whatever it is, or, you know, thing that's come my way, does it fit within the parameters that I've set up for this season? So, you know, for the season when the kids were really little, um, you know, I knew I've got to be home and and it doesn't mean that you don't have self-care. It doesn't mean you don't have a babysitter. So you can have a day to just go run your ears and do your thing, but it really does mean, you know, setting up some structure and setting up some parameters. And so, um, like I said, I had these categorical no's. I knew that in this season, I'm not going to take the cooking class. I'm not going to have the side hustle. I'm not going to, you know, just say yes to every coffee opportunity or meeting or whatever. I'm not going to start the ministry. I'm not going to create the ministry environment. You know, mm-hmm. there were just some categorical things for now. And then as our kids got older, I was able to kind of expand those parameters a little more and a little more and a little more. And of course, I'm in a season now where I can kind of say yes to whatever I feel like the Lord is leading me to say yes to. Um, But I would ask that question, does this opportunity fit into the parameters that Andy and I have pre-established during the season and that Mm. God has called me to for this season? And Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it takes a little time going away and, um, you know, having a day to just pray and say, God, would you cast some vision for me for this season of my life? Would you give me some clarity around what I say yes to and what I say no to? And um, I think God just is so honored by the question, especially mm-hmm. for moms, that I, I just, I think it's a question that he answers and that he answers it very faithfully and sometimes very specifically. Um, so there was that question. And then the second question, if I really was tempted to say yes to something um, that was outside of those parameters, 
I would ask myself the question of why do I want to say yes to this really? And I put that word really on the end. Why do I want to say yes to this really? And what I found um, was that if my answer begins with, well, because I'm afraid if I don't, dot, 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 then mm-hmm. that's a big red flag for me. If fear is, you know, is kind of the thing that's creeping in, that's, you know, that's just a big red flag. And I don't want to be the kind of person that makes decisions based on fear or being afraid of something. And so um, looking back, and especially when we I started doing some research with our team on breathing room and how to have it and what does it look like and what does it feel like and why do we not have it? It boiled down to uh, four fears that we identified. And so when I asked that question, you know, why do I want to do this really? If it's well, because I'm afraid of, it was usually I'm afraid of missing out, which you just mentioned, because sevens mm-hmm. do not like to miss out on anything. <laughs> no. Um, for me, in my personality, it was a fear of falling behind because I'm a natural okay. leader. I like leading. I do not want to fall behind. I like learning new things. I like, you know, I just, I just like being on the, you know, on the cutting edge of things. I like to know what's happening. So the fear of missing out, the fear of falling behind. And then for a lot of moms, especially moms that decide to come home for a season, there's the fear of not mattering anymore. And that's such a real thing, the fear of not mattering. Mm -hmm. And then the last one, is the fear of disappointing other people. And, you know, while that sounds kind of like a weak fear, it's not a weak fear. None of us want to disappoint people. And Mm -mm. for me, I feel like, gosh, they were so kind to ask or kind to invite, or they've got this amazing, you know, list of reasons why they think I'm the person that needs to do this. And I don't want to disappoint them. So, you know, that those four fears are the ones that are typically the ones that I'm facing. And as we did research for breathing room, figured out this is actually um, a pretty common list, fear of missing out, fear of falling behind, fear of not mattering, fear of disappointing other people. And um, again, for the fear of missing out, a no for now doesn't have to mean a no for always. Those 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 yeah. opportunities or new opportunities come come back. For the fear of falling behind, um, the truth behind sort of the lie is that I'm falling behind if I say no. And the truth is that God has a perfect plan for me and a perfect plan for you. And our perfect plans might not look like everybody else's. So, you know, when we say no to something and we feel like we're saying no and we're staying where God has put us, we can trust that we are not falling behind because God has a perfect plan for me. And um, then the fear of not mattering anymore. This was a big one for me when the kids were little because, you know, you, you feel like wiping noses and bottoms all day long doesn't really mm-hmm. feel like you're making a splash or changing the world for the better. You know, wiping things um, isn't super fun and, and um, <laughs> thrilling. Just not. But, you know, it's sometimes even for me and, and probably for a lot of people, especially who come home from work, it sometimes feels like poor stewardship of, a, of your gifts or talents or your difficult undergraduate degree, you know, whatever. It, it can feel like poor stewardship. But the truth behind that one is that we were and are, you know, that there are certain roles that only we as moms can fill. You know, I'm the only one who can sit on the bed with Allie and listen to, you know, her latest breakup or, you know, whatever, when she was living at home, she's married now. Yeah. I hope she's not really having breakups anymore. <laughs> but, um, you know, but as, as her mom, yeah. 
there are plenty of people who could assess industrial systems and make them more efficient, which was my degree. You know, it's just, that's what we do. There are plenty of people that can do that, but I'm the only one who can drive Andrew to baseball practice and listen, you know, to the latest thing that happened at school or to be there. Garrett was my expressive one. He's my middle one. And, um, he would come in from school and he would want to tell me everything. And I'm the only one who could be standing in the kitchen as his mom to just listen to the highs and lows of his day. And he loved to share them. So I am never not mattering when I'm doing the things that God is very particularly and specifically called me to do. And then the last one, the fear of disappointing other people. Um, again, this is, you know, this is a big one for me. And, um, you know, it, it can certainly be a lie that I'm disappointing people when I know I'm doing what God has called me to do. Um, but the truth of that one is that my no is sometimes the very thing that serves somebody else well, not just my family and the people in my inner circle, but other people. And Bethany, there have been so many times throughout the last, you know, 25 years or actually now 30 years of parenting where I've had somebody come back and say, you know what, Sandra, when you told me that you couldn't do that because you were in a season of life where you're trying to stay focused on, you know, your kids or whatever it is in that season, it gave me permission to do the same thing. I didn't know it was an option. And while that sounds crazy, there are a lot of people who really don't know that that's an option. So um, that million dollar question for me in discerning, you know, what to let go of and what to hang on to was Sandra, why do you really want to do this? Why do you want to do this really? So yeah, that was kind of, oh my gosh, that, that is that, that's so good. Cause I, I know that early on, I really struggled. I was a pediatric physical therapist who worked through our fourth child. Yeah. Um, I worked as much as I, I had to add to our budget, you know, it, yeah. it, I, so I worked as much as I had to work without, um, I didn't work, you know, I just wanted to work as much as I could to make the budget meet. And then I was like, and then I don't want to work the rest of the week kind of thing. Cause I wanted to be with my kids. Right. But, um, I do remember when we finally were in a place where we could make the decision for me to step out of work and I wanted to step out of work fully. And yet when I, when I did step out of work, then I was like, I realized that I, I, I was startled by my own feelings because if you had asked me, I would have said, Oh, I cannot wait until I can just stay home with the kids. I love, cause I loved it, even though, I mean, it was crazy hard at times and all of that, but yeah. I, I loved it. And I knew it was a primary, like we talk about was this primary or secondary. And I knew it was a primary, but once I stepped out, I realized I'd always led in conversations with, I'm a pediatric physical therapist. Oh, and I have four kids. Yeah. And and, and flipping that conversation or actually just removing that statement did something where the Lord and I had to work that out where I was like, I guess I never knew I was holding Places on to, yeah, yeah, holding on to that as this is where my, and this sounds terrible, but this is where my brain yeah. does stuff. And the Lord kind of, he did, it wasn't kind of, I mean, it, in, in the word, he began to go. Bethany, motherhood is a sacred privilege that I've invited you into. I promise I will use your brain. I promise I will, you know, exercise your brain. Yes. Yes. This is so valuable. It is 
so kingdom oriented and it is of so much worth, but it it was internal work I had to learn, which is, I love that you address that because it was hard for me. It, it was a struggle that I didn't see coming. I didn't. Um, I think we don't always know what we're placing our self-worth in until mm -hmm. a certain thing disappears. And to your point, you can identify it really quickly by what you lead with in a conversation or, um, you know, what you find yourself waiting for somebody to ask you so you can tell them um, those yeah. kinds of things. And, and it's, it doesn't take long before we see some yucky stuff in ourselves when we kind of step back and, yeah. and, um, and allow God to just do just what he wants to do in us. Cause we're kind of hanging on to some stuff that we, that we feel brings us value. Well, those, those four points, I know that is all within that book that you, the, your Bible study breathing room, which I have read and I've done, and I loved it. I remember doing it. We lived up in Tennessee then when it first came out and it to me was very life-giving. So mm -hmm. I want to encourage anyone who's listening and we will put it in the show notes where you can find her um, study the devotional and it com comes along with videos, right? right. There's an I app and all that is free. So it's easy. To oh, Oh, then, well, then, yep, it's just, uh, oh, then I'll figure that out with you later and we'll yeah. get that. Then I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Um, well, the other thing that I wanted that I heard you say that I thought was so valuable was when you said that the Lord, you began to ask the Lord to establish your vision of what yeah. he was calling you to. Right. And I think that to me has been also something where the Lord has been teaching me the value of having like a vision of where I'm going and not just operating in today in, I mean, in, in, because I tend to be more, maybe more reactionary instead of proactive, just naturally. So, yeah. um, the Lord, you know, has been teaching me this value that no, ask me, begin to ask me, where are, where are we going? Where do I want you to be heading? So how, I mean, is that kind of what you were talking yes. about? Or? I, you know, it's so funny where, where the season of life, where that um, made the biggest impact for me was when our kids kind of got to about middle school. And, you know, when your kids are little, the days are super, super duper long and the years, you know, they kind of clip by, but when they're really young, you wonder if that thing that you hear older parents say, is really true that, you know, you're going to blink your eyes and they're going to be gone. And, you know, you kind of have days where you think, you know, I'm going to start blinking because I am <laughs> ready to move through this season. You know, you have some that are favorite and some that aren't. But when my kids hit middle school, I realized that thing that I've been hearing all these years really is true. Mm -hmm. And so when Andrew was in about eighth grade, I realized I've got four more years and he's going to be launched to college, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, you know, Garrett was just one school year behind him. And then Allie was just two school years behind Garrett. And so I really began to see sort of the light at the end of the parenting tunnel, so to speak. And that's when I thought, okay, I'm not afraid of empty nesterhood. Andy and I still really like each other. We, you know, we're kind of looking forward to that. I'm not the parent that wanted, you know, the person that wanted to perpetually parent. So yeah. I wasn't afraid of that, but... I thought, okay, Lord, I see that that's coming and it's a real thing. So would you just begin preparing me now for what you want me to do when they launch? Or also during that time, you know, when your kids get to be 16, 
you know, 15, 16, 17, you do have a lot more time on your hands. It's more mm-hmm. mental parenting than physical parenting at that point. Yeah. And you have more time on your hands. So I was finding that I had a little more time, a little more margin. And I just began really asking God to cast some vision for the next season of my life. And he was so faithful to do that. He doesn't ever give us the whole picture. And I probably would have run if he had, because I was not even, foster care was not on my radar at that time. And um, so, you know, it, it just, he slowly began to cast some vision and to break my heart for kids in, t- in tough places. Um, mm-hmm. For us, that started with some international traveling. You know, when they were middle school, early high school years, we realized they can handle some pretty heavy duty kind of mission kinds of things that we mm-hmm. wanted them to see and be exposed to. So we started doing some more difficult kinds of mission trips and, you know, went to Rwanda and Kenya and, you know, just some places like that that were harder. And my heart began to be broken for kids who are in hard places. And, you know, for me, God casting that vision for my next season was really in the form of awareness. I had grown up in Leave it to Beaver world, you know, great parents who loved each other and loved the Lord and raised us, you know, the way that, you know, we would want to raise our own children. And, and so an awareness for me was what God used to break my heart and to move me into what he was going to do with me season. And then we get home from those trips and I'm starting to be aware again of things that are happening just, you know, on the home front within a 10 mile radius of our church. I I realized there are thousands of kids who need a bed to sleep in. And so, you know, then we started, you know, God just brought some providential relationships into our lives that, that spoke more into that. So all that to say, God is so faithful. I think when we ask with open hands for him to cast some vision for what's next, regardless of what season it is. Um, I think he delights in answering that prayer and, and he's not going to plop it down in your lap and give you all the information at one time. It's going to be a process, but by the time the kids really were kind of launching, um, we were in a place to start this new journey that we were going to be doing next. And that involved foster care and developing a ministry to foster families in our churches and, um, you know, it just turned into a really cool thing that we've been doing for the last about 11 years now. But, um, but yeah, casting vision for the next season, I think is a God honoring endeavor, you know, asking him to, to just begin giving you wisdom, begin opening your eyes to things, begin breaking your heart for things, um, maybe that you didn't even, you know, that weren't on your radar before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good because, I do think that I love the fact that God is so gentle about it though, (laughs) that he's tender (laughs) because he's definitely done that with me, but it has been just like that. It's been just one layer off. And then the next where you begin to move with him and you see where he's leading. But if he had just ripped it all off at the beginning, it, it, yeah, I'd have taken off. I'd be like, oh no, that is way too too much. Yeah, Yeah. way too messy. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I can, I can see that. Um, well, finally, I guess my last question as we finish up is what are some places in the word that you anchor to Mm. when, when you're in these, when you were in those seasons where you're really imbalanced or you felt, uh, where are your word, your anchor places in the word? Well, you know, it's, um, in the early years when the kids were, you know, they were 
they were pretty small. Um, Andy did a sermon series in the book of Nehemiah and, um, it was, I'll just, I'll, I'll just never forget sitting there on a Sunday morning. I'm always, I'm a note taker. I love taking notes. And so I'm taking notes and he hits Nehemiah 6, 3, where Nehemiah is kind of looking down at the detractors and the people trying to distract him. And he says, I am doing a great work and mm. I cannot come down. And that kind of became my sort of my life verse, so to speak, for those, those heavy duty parenting years. And it was the thing in my mind too, that reminded me to say no, it made it a little easier to say no. It made it a little easier to stay within those parameters. And, um, you know, the, the story is such a cool story. If, you know, if listeners haven't read it before, um, the whole book of Nehemiah is a short book. Um, but Nehemiah was called to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls around the city. And there were a whole lot of people who didn't want to see that done. And so they were doing everything they could to stop the work or to distract him or to, you know, just do whatever they could to keep the walls of Jerusalem from being rebuilt. And part of the reason was they were profiting from there not being walls around the city of Jerusalem. And there's, there's this one time he is up on a ladder. He is doing the work, the physical labor, the work of the, rebuilding the wall along with the teams of people that he had recruited. And he just looks down at this guy who's trying to distract him. And he says, I am doing a great work. I cannot come down. So I, mm. I wrote that verse on index cards. It was my laminating stage of life where I was laminating everything. I had a new laminator and Andy was worried for the children. <laughs> I laminated it. I had one in my car, one in my bathroom mirror, you know, just had it in my schoolroom. I was homeschooling at the time and um, just kind of had it up everywhere. And it was my reset button. It really was my reset button. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Andrew is my great work. Garrett's my great work. Allie's my great work. In this season, this is my great work. So that was mm. kind of my go-to reset button verse. And then the second verse that has kind of been a go-to verse for me, um, and it was kind of the verse for some later seasons, not those little kids seasons so much, was um, Psalm 139. And verse 16 says, for all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And, um, you know, navigating the foster care world and, and um, life with, with mm. mainly girls who've been through really hard things and come from difficult places. This has been such a great great verse to share with them, to talk through with them. But for me, it's also been that verse in the, you know, later seasons of, of parenting that kind of was my reset button for I'm not missing out. I'm not falling behind. I'm not, not mattering. And I'm not um, disappointing other people um, because I know that what I am called to do, God has ordained from the beginning of time and all the, or the days ordained for me were written in his book before one of them came to be. And um, it's just, I don't know, that's just such a special verse that I think hits me in a really, really deep place and kind of is a re reset button for me for now and was a reset button for me during the years when my kids were teenagers and I was trying to, you know, still, even though I had a little more margin, still not miss the main things. And um, a lot of times that still, even that season, in those seasons meant saying no. To, to, to things that I might've otherwise wanted to do. So um, I think when I look at scripture, those are probably the two big ones that kept me between the rails and keeps me between the rails um, of, you know, kind of the truth behind those, those fears that can set in. Those are, those are fabulous. Those are really, I, I love that Nehemiah one. I've never, 
I, I'm very familiar with that story, but I've never taken that verse to, yeah. to apply to me. It was just a good reminder to me. I'm doing a great work. These are my, I've defined yeah. what my great work is. And that's a big part of it too. Honestly, Bethany is defining, you know, what is my work in this season? And my great work in that season with young kids at home was Andrew Garrett and Allie. And my great work now looks different. Um, but at the same time, I still need to remain focused on those things that God is uniquely calling me to do in this season. And, you know, as a pastor's wife and as Andy's wife, I recognize that I have a unique platform of influence and I can either just do stuff and kind of whittle my days away, or I can be intentional to, to mm -hmm. leverage my platform of influence in the way that God would have me do that. And that was part of the reason for praying for vision. I thought, okay, I've got this kind of somewhat unique, but we all have platforms of influence, but I had this one and I thought, okay, God, this is the platform of influence that you've given me. Show me how to steward it well. And that was part of the reason for hitting my knees and saying, God, would you cast some vision for your plan for me for what's next? Because otherwise I'm just going to fill it up with stuff that ultimately, you know, they may be good things, but ultimately they're not going to um, make the impact that maybe God had planned. So mm -hmm. that's powerful. I think because also um, it's so easy to compare yeah. what you see everybody else doing around you. Yeah. And I mean, certainly even with similar platforms, even, and when you and when Andy and North Point was growing and there were all this, a lot of churches growing and, sure. um, and for you to be purposeful about what you were purposeful about, yeah. um, important. it is important. And it's There's just so easy. Hands in the balance. One of the things yeah. that Andy says that I love this quote so much, and we would say it to each other sometimes because we would, you know, when either one of us were kind of veering off with the whole family thing being our priority, um, he, he would say to church leaders, particularly, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Mm -hmm. Your greatest com you know, contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. And what a you know, kind of a, a different filter that puts on everything. We, we have no idea who we're raising while we're raising them. And, um, and yeah. that's a powerful thought. It is. And all the more reason not to be so focused on, oh, I've got to have balance. I've got to, you know, get all this stuff right. But to just be focused on where God has us um, right for, for this season of life. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank for you for the truth that you've brought and just the encouragement. I mean, I know I'm sitting here and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm steps behind you and, um, you have given me wisdom all along the way. You know, I don't know that you remember, but I vividly remember calling you when we decided to homeschool mm. because I was like, I don't know anybody at that point. Nobody I knew was yeah. doing this yeah. except I knew you did it. And so I was like, well, I'm going to call her. And the wisdom you imparted to me was, wisdom I have used and I still use, I mean, I'm still, and I pass along a lot of that wisdom to other young moms. And I'm always like, look, this is what I learned when, you know, and so then there's the, so this has been another space where I'm sitting here going, I have learned so much today that mm -hmm. I will, um, that changes me. And so I appreciate, I really appreciate it. <laughs> Even if it's just selfishly for me, but I also know that a lot of women 
will appreciate this. Well, so. I hope so. Thanks so much for having me, Bethany. It's Thank always you. a joy. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to BethanyKimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.